I'm Marcy and I am an alcoholic. Um, old me and Bill asked me if I was nervous and I said, yeah, because I want you to just think I'm so fantastic and, and all we have is our experience, right? Um, my sobriety date is April 17th, 1995. So a few statistics that are important to me when I hear you share is, do you have a home group? Yes. Do you have a sponsor? Yes. How old were you when you got sober? How old are you now? I don't know why, but those are really important statistics for me. I'm 48. I was 20 when I got sober. And every year, it's shocking when somebody asks how long I'm sober. And I tell them because I'm like, it's just bizarre. I can't believe I'm still alive. I truly, honestly thought I was going to be dead by the time I was 21. It's, it's like at crow's feet now, the little lines. I, I just think that's brilliant. My, um, my hair texture has changed. I never, I never knew that happened. Like, it's just, it's, I, sobriety is really a gift. And um, I will tell you, I have spent a lot of time telling people what I do to stay sober. And then I'll say what a gift it is. <laughs> it's like, really? And then I'll also do this other thing where I'll tell people, don't you worry about what I'm doing. Mind your own business. And then the next breath, I'm giving you a list of all of the things that I have done to be helpful and kind to you. <laughs> so that's who you have before you tonight. Um, Jen, before the meeting, sent me over this thing from the, tw the 12 and 12, we were talking. And AA's 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which, if practiced as a way of life, can expel. My understanding of the word expel is remove entirely the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. And that's, that's what's happened. We, I was talking to Hector before the meeting, and I said, um, we were saying something about drunkologues. And I said, well, when you get sober at 20, you really don't have much of one. I started drinking when I was 8, and I first came to you when I was 14, because my older brother got clean in Narcotics Anonymous when I was 14, and I knew I'd made a very big mistake. <laughs> you guys are well put together, showered. And I was like, oh, man, there's no place here for a punk kid that's 14 years old. I mean, can you imagine if a 14-year-old walked in the room tonight, I, I would do a double take. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's out of the ordinary for somebody that young to walk into a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's, I don't know what you said, but what I heard was go home and be a good little girl. And the reason that I came to you was because I could not possibly go to Narcotics Anonymous because that's where my older brother went. And if you are the person that got sober first in your family, I feel for you because that is a tough road. I am not the first to get sober clean in my family, thank you God, because we did horrible things. My older, I drank with my older brother and my older sister. So when you said change everyone, I was like, brother, I got news for you. That's not happening. And I, I still talked to, to the degree that they would allow me, my older brother and my older sister. Um, but anyway, I did get sober when I was 20, and 
I don't, I have no idea why this got me sober. I cannot tell you. A woman I was running around with, I did a lot of drugs. I also slept around a lot. I stole a lot. I'm not really clear why in Alcoholics Anonymous, I will, what I think I hear is all the things that you stole, all the people that you slept around with, and then we come to drugs and we say, I respect the primary purpose of Alcoholics Anonymous, so I'll tell you a powdery white substance. I'm like, that's called cocaine. Are we not allowed to say that in Alcoholics Anonymous? Like, it's okay. Now, I am also not raised by my biological parents, so I come to the table with a lot of other things. I know here with you, all you can help me with is my alcoholism. There is nothing you can do with my obsession to steal, my obsession to be the best, but I don't want you to notice me too much. And all of the other weird idiosyncrasies I come to the table with. But I do have experience with some bizarre behavior. One of those is with drugs. I did a lot of drugs because they were easier to get underage than alcohol. And I honestly, I thought I was a drug addict until I talked to some drug addicts. And the way that I do drugs is this. I do them and I do them and I do them. And then there becomes a stopping point, just like there does with our drinking. And I walk away. With my drinking, I pick it up again. Now in my mind, there's a hierarchy. It doesn't make sense, but neither does much of my life, right? That's why I'm here. And it's like, oh my gosh, if you do that drug, you're just scum. So I was hanging out with a woman that did that drug, and she told me she was getting clean. And I'm like, that sounds great, because that means she's going to drink a lot. I love to hang out with drug addicts, because when they get clean, they drink like I like to drink. And it makes perfect sense for me to be hanging out with you. So we go down to Florida, which I, it's really interesting to me, because the spiritual path is very easy, and it's very clear. And this is one of the most complicated plans I've ever had in my life. We're going to Florida so we can get clean from this drug. And I, I, I did a lot of blacking out, and I'd wake up, and I'd be like, I, I don't know what's happening right now, but here we are. I was in a fist fight, like a physical fisticuffs. And I come out of a blackout, and I'm like, could we just introduce ourselves? I don't, I don't even, I'm not a fighter. I'm not like a big woman, and I was even smaller then. And it's just, it's just bizarre. So... We're down in, like, we get to Alabama, and I'm like, oh, crap, what are we doing? Like, why aren't we in Richmond? Because I stayed in the fan within, like, a five-mile radius. I never left. But I would tell you I'm free, and I'm really scared if things change, you're going to imprison me. But I never left a five-mile radius. Whatever. Our, our thinking, my thinking is just weird. So we pull up, and there used to be, like, I love how Jen describes the, um, the, um, Slogans, Jalen, thank you for sharing. Jen, thank you for sharing. And, um, but we used to have these bumper stickers, and they were holographic. And I, I love acid. I love anything that can take me out of myself. And this sticker reminded me of something I love to look at when I'm tripping acid. And, and it said, taking a trip, not taking a trip. And I was like, gosh, I'm home. This makes perfect sense. And, and he talked to me about my drinking in a way I had never understood. Because I know many of you have spilled more than I ever drank. You've drank longer than I thought about drinking. What happens to me when I drink is I don't know. I have no idea. And with that, I will put it down, and it will be completely out of my body. It takes about, what, three days for that to happen? And then I end up 
drinking again. It makes perfect sense to me for why I need to drink again. That is fundamentally what makes me an alcoholic. And some of you have these brilliant stories about how you were in jail and you made the hooch and the hooch would explode. And I love hearing that stuff. I think it's fantastic. It's not my story. Mine is my mommy asked me to leave the house because I can't come home when I'm supposed to. I tell her I'll be home by 11.30 and three days later I'm home and she's rightfully worried and I say, best I can tell it's before 11.30. I don't know why you're fussing. And I'm dead serious. And, that, and that's what happens is um, I, I, looking back, put people in a position where they question themselves. Like, why would I, I know exactly what she's saying, be home by 11.30. And three days later I show up, but somehow it's your fault. Let me switch it all around. And that makes sense to me. I, that is what I believe makes sense to me. And, and I don't have things in my life that are good and decent. And I feel like every breath I take is a waste of oxygen. And I feel like I just don't belong. But I want you to fix that for me. And when you do not, I am furious with you for it. So that's how I arrive in Florida. And I see this taking a trip, not taking a trip. And we go in. And a man's there. Thank you, God. Because I believe, had it been a woman, I would not have stuck around. Because I believe that women treated other women the way I treated women. And that was deplorable. It was not kind. And so I could not be in the same space as someone that reflected any of that to me. So he talked to me about my drinking in a way that I have heard before. I remember having a conversation with my dad like the first or second time I drank. And I was like eight years old when he had this conversation with me. And when I read in the doctor's opinion that if you um, draw this reasoning to an alcoholic, they'll laugh it off or become irritated and refuse to talk. And I was like, holy crap, how'd they know that about me? Because my dad was asking me about my drinking. I said, come on, Dad. I mean, my God in heaven, I just moved in here. I, my life has been really tough, and it had been. I, it was, the state doesn't come and pluck you out of a home because things are on the upswing. And so things were truly, really tough. And he said, do you ever, at the time, this was 1983, and E.T. was a big deal, and the PCs, and he said, What's your favorite candy? And I said, Reese Pieces. And he said, do you ever buy a big bag? And I said, well, heck yeah. He said, do you ever eat half of it? I said, now why would I go and do a thing like that? He said, that's how I think your drinking is going to be. And that's exactly right. That's exactly how my drinking was. We were laughing before the meeting um, out in the country. And we were talking about how when you're preparing for a storm, you always get like a couple of cases of beer to prepare. And the real, the real beast of it is when you drink it all, and it hasn't even started. The wind hasn't even started to blow, and you're almost out of your storm preparedness stockpile. And so I, I, at some point, like I could always draw on that. Go down to Florida. This guy talks to me about my drinking. I come home, and 30 days later, I'm drinking again. And I wanted to be sober. I wanted to be here. I, I believed what you said, and I did not even care that you were saying stuff like, go home, be a good little girl, I spilled more than you ever drank. I, I didn't care. I, honestly, I don't even know if that's what you said. I have, 
That's one of the great things about telling our stories is I have no idea what the truth is. I can only tell you what I think it was as I stand before you today. And I can only tell you what my experience is that you might have the exact same incidents happen in your life and your experience entirely different. That is okay. It doesn't make me right and you wrong. Don used to talk about, Valerie, um, her sponsor used to talk about we can both be right and we can both be wrong. I was like, I don't even know what that guy's talking about. It's been like in the past three days I feel like I have a little idea of what he was talking about. So <clears throat> I go to this meeting. I was on a mission to find the cool kid meeting. Now this is what's beautiful, is it's Alcoholics Anonymous. We're all a bunch of bizarre people cobbled together in a room, and I want to be with the cool kids. So I, I really trust that God uses what's at hand. And there was a meeting over on um, Midlothian Turnpike at the Rebos Club. It's sober backwards. <laughs> it's so cool, right? <laughs> and there's a lot of cigarette smoke. and oh, There's a lot of cool kids gathered up in that place. And they did this thing where at the end of the meeting, you raise your hand if you can be a sponsor. So I picked out the prettiest woman I saw and asked her to be my sponsor. And she comes over and is talking to me. And I was like, oh, crap. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> this woman has no, there's nothing I relate to about her. She was not, she was raised by at least one of her parents. She, she was a fashion model and she's got the portfolio pictures to prove it. And I'm some punk kid that hasn't bathed in one year plus and I don't even understand why we're having this conversation right now. And I, I hated her, I hated the meeting, I hated everything about it. I did not come to AA and feel like I came home. I hated all of you. And then you were kind enough to invite me to coffee after the meeting and I went and I hated you. And you were kind enough to invite me over to your house and I went and I hated you. I did not feel at home, I did not feel a part of. I believe that I was just done. I, was, I had the gift of desperation, and I hated that you told me that. Oh, the gift of desperation, honey. I was like, I'll show you a thing or two about being desperate. I mean, I just, I, I hated all of that stuff, and we went through the steps, and, and my life changed entirely. It is nothing, I, if you had told me I would have the life I have today, like, as a lure for me to get and stay sober, I'd have told you to keep it. I've been married to the same man for 20, this is 23 years. Thank God we got married in 1999 because I can do the math real easy with that one. <laughs> It'll be 24 in October. Um, I've lived in the same house since 2008. Like, ah, it just sounds so boring. And, and I really believed that's even in sobriety, I have believed that's what sobriety is. Is Okay, you got sober, now tell me about the job you've had for years and years and years. I've had more jobs than most of you have had pairs of shoes. I mean, I've had so many jobs. I have been fired sober. I have quit sober. I have, um, I'm at my job now, and it's like the, one of the longest I've ever had, and I haven't even been there two and a half years. I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> What sobriety has been for me is my life makes sense. That um, what I do today makes sense. 
I went on a plane to Denmark for a knitting retreat. I mean, that's so ridiculous. And went to some meetings in between and had a blast. I mean, I, what about riding the motorcycle around Europe? Like, what happened to that? I don't... It, it's not the same. And what's, what really drilled that home for me is I go to the penitentiary and I talk to the meeting, the women in the meeting out there, and man, talk about some hard times. And more than one woman would say, it's not that bad. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, you're sitting here in the penitentiary. You, you weren't even the first person to wear those panties you have on right now. Like, are you serious? And that has nothing to do with my alcoholism. Because if my life still makes sense to me today, I will not change, drunk or sober. There's, there's no, it doesn't matter if I'm wearing whatever. Does my life make sense to me today as I am right here, right now? And it does, but there are parts where I really hope do change. I really, it would be really nice to have a job longer than five years maximum. I mean, that'd be really surprising to have that W-2 for that long of a stretch. It's never been my experience. Whatever. It is really nice that I have a relationship with my parents, that I have a relationship with all of my siblings. I am one of ten, and there are um, eight of us left. My two younger brothers both passed away. One of them, many of you were by my side when he passed. It was in 2013, and he, um, it was horrible. And, and I was really mad with everyone because you'd stand up at the podium, every single one of you. <laughs> now, just so you know, anytime one of my resentments is all, never, nothing, it's not the full truth, has been my experience. Every single one of you would stand up at the podium and you'd say, I never had the courage to kill myself. And I, every time I heard that, would just about come out of my skin and go after your jugular. I mean, it just drove me crazy. And I wanted to explain to you why you needed to stop saying that. Thank God something shifted within me. You do not need to stop saying that. That is your experience. You can say whatever you want to say. My experience is my younger brother died by suicide. I do not believe that was God's will. I do believe that I, there is a merciful God that allows us our own free will. It's fine if there's a different belief or a different experience. That's okay. And I have existed where it's not. And that's a, that's a really tough place for me to exist. And that's also interesting is because I've, people will tell me what I need to change and how I need to be. And, and I say, okay, well, but you know, it's none of your business. Okay, that's great. I am so happy that you believe that for me. It doesn't mean that I need to do a darn thing. Because this is about our coin. It's so important that we be true to ourselves, that we could put any slogan we wanted on our coin, and what we put on our coin is, to thine own self be true. That means that it is important that I ask my creator what I should be. That's what's important, is what I should be. And I believe any action taken in love is the perfect action. I was fired up with one of my girlfriends. Whew, it's happened a lot. I'd love to tell you that was like when I was a year sober. That's not the case. I was fired up with her. 
And, and I knew that I never needed to talk to her again. She didn't invite me somewhere where I knew I needed to be invited, and I was fired up. And what happened was I did what I believe was the next loving thing. And I sent her congratulations, and I um, sent a gift, and I, and I said, you know, I'm so happy that you're, this is where you are. I believe that was, no, she doesn't owe me an invite. She doesn't owe me a thing. Our whole relationship is a gift. My job is to show up for that gift. And then I got into this whole battle about, well, I'm not going to be anyone's doormat. And I'm the fool that woke up and said, God, you take me. You do with me as you see fit. For me in my life, I believe that means any action where the next step is love, that is exactly the right step. That is exactly the right action. And there is no possibility for me to be a doormat in that, in that when I'm acting out of love. It's okay. I am safe and I am protected because God is bigger than all of that. And that's, that's what I believe. And it's okay if it's something different for, for you. And that's, oh my God, I can't tell you how much I have spent... Um, trying to convince you why I'm right. Whew. I mean, that is so important to me because we can't understand each other unless you understand how right I am. Um, and my family, like I've spent years explaining my family and I'm adopted and my parents are alive, so it's not really like I'm adopted. And then when my parents died, both my biological parents died within six months of each other and and I shouldn't be upset because they didn't really raise me, but I'm so upset. And I was. And it was a tough relationship with both of my biological parents. It's not at all what makes sense to me as a parent, but it's exactly what it was. And I got to show up with love. And my father did things in his last days and how he left things that I do not agree with at all. And I got to do things the way that makes sense to me. And maybe I'm dishonoring the deceased, or maybe I'm honoring love. I don't know. I still don't know. And there's, like, I really believed that you guys knew what was happening here. And if I just, like, what I would do is I'd find the cool kid, old man Bill, or whoever it is, because that guy's been sober since the dawn of man, and he'd say, well, this is what I do. And I'm like, yeah, me too. This is what I do too. Instead of just going and seeing what makes sense to me. That's really, that's been the tough work for me is going and making the amends. And I've made some amends where I, I did go back to one of my friends that just so happened to be, I don't know about you, but I, I became friends. I love to be friends with people I fancy to be in high places. And I was friends with one of my drug dealers and I stole from him. And I went back and I, I paid back that money. It doesn't mean you go back and pay back that money. That's my experience. It made sense to me to pay it back. It made sense to me that he knows that's not the type of friend that I want to be. It, 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 so he went and spent it on drugs or he did. I don't have any idea. It wasn't my money. I also stole money from a place where I worked and I went to pay that back. And he said, no, it'll, it's really confusing to the bookkeeping. And I was like, sweet, I get to keep that. And I made the huge mistake of telling one of my friends and he said, honey, that was never your money. You keep that, and you will, you, he said, I suspect you'll drink again. 
Who knows? Maybe I wouldn't have. Maybe it would have all been fine. I don't know because my experience is I put that money somewhere else because it was never my money. And I was not paying anyone back. I was giving back what was never mine to take anyway. And the, the same, I, one of my sisters, um, I forgot what we were, we were fussing about something and, and shocking. And she said, I want you to apologize. And I said, oh, we don't apologize. I was wrong. What can I do to make it right? She said, I want you to apologize. I said, we don't apologize. I was wrong. What can I do to make it right? And I'd like to tell you, like, then I did what she asked me to do, but it was probably like three or four more times we go around like that. And I said, you know what? You are right. I'm wrong, and I am sorry. I asked you what I can do to make it right. You've told me, and I've been unwilling to hear you. Because I'm so caught up in what I think you and AA want me to do, I can't even hear and I have no idea what you and AA want me to do because I can't even hear that anyway. But I put all these things in my head about what I think other people want. I can't even really hear the voice of my loving creator that I'm the one that said, God, you do with me whatever you want. I can't even hear it because I'm too lazy to listen. And so I keep asking you. And then when you tell me, I can't even hear you. <laughs> it's just this weird, it doesn't even make sense because it is insane. That's why it doesn't make any sense. And I've gotten to just sit quietly sometimes. And I've had some neat experiences with that where I have um, forcibly sat quietly and then I fall asleep. We call that sleep potating in my house. <laughs> and then I've had active meditation where I'm running and I'm, I'm whirl in sync with um, what my creator wants and I'm... It, in prayer and it makes perfect sense to me and I get done and I make that phone call where the person's like oh my god this is perfect timing no kidding when I was in Denmark I walk into this um, store and I'm talking to a woman no idea how we started on this conversation and I, um, I somehow it came up that my younger brother died and that one died by suicide and another one died as they were resuscitating him after a surgery. That's how my other younger brother died. And I said, you know, it's, it's really tough when a brother died. I think she may have told me her did. But we spent like an hour visiting. Her brother had just been murdered and there's no crime in Denmark. So the press has been all over her about what's happening and it's just been tremendously stressful. And I'm with this other woman, and she says, I can't believe that happened. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I'd be shocked if it didn't happen. Like, and I just looked at her, and I said, yeah, it's pretty surprising what happens. But the conversations, and I, it's more often than not that something comes out of my mouth. Oftentimes it isn't inappropriate, but sometimes I'm like, holy crap, why do you even ask that? And it's exactly on target, and it's exactly right. And, and then when I have that experience, one of, my, one of my favorite tactics is, is to say, aren't I fantastic? Aren't you so happy I'm in your life? <laughs> Instead of remembering, I asked my creator what he would have me be. That the power that it flows through me so I can be an example of God's powerful creation. But I sure love it. When you think I'm powerful. Because 
It, it just is great. But then if I make a mistake, that's not really my fault. I don't know why you're up in my business. You need to move along. Thank you very much. We're, we all are doing the best we can around here. It's just, it's completely insane. Um, oh, gosh. And I, I called my mom a few years ago. One of my friends was in a car accident, and she, her blood alcohol level was just insane. And um, they, she had her kid in the car, and it was tragic. And um, so we're going to court about what to do with with the child. And um, I call my mom. I'm like, Mom, I'm going to court. I don't know what to do. I mean, what, what do I have? My mom. <laughs> she said, stop being such a... Ducking <laughs> baby, <laughs> put your girl, big girl panties on, go to court. You're not driving an hour each way, leaving five kids at home so you can go to court. Because in my custody case, my mom drove from Mannequin Sabbath up to Fredericksburg, my, both my parents did, to go to court at the minimum in the beginning once a week. And then it dropped down to once a month, and then it dropped down to like once a quarter and once a year leaving five kids at home to make sure that I had somewhere safe to be. And I would tell other people what was happening. They're like, you're so great. I'm like, I know. Isn't that great? It's good to be me and so great. And my, I tell my mom, and she says, you stop being such a baby. You get in that car and you do God's work. She said, I have my tubes tied after the fifth child, and I get three more. So I want to hear crap for crap for you. <laughs> And, and I've gotten, to, I found out my, um, my dad, his um, cancer, his prostate cancer metastasized. And it's really scary. My parents still really love each other. It's rare, right? They've been married like 53, 54 years. And they truly, um, I don't know how much they love each other, but they sure put on a good show and make it look good. <laughs> um, and I went by there last night and... Um, they're both just kind of dazed walking around. And, and I'm, I, I want to say that I'm the rock, but that's so arrogant. Sometimes um, those that I have leaned on my whole life, then just, they just need a little um, lean in too. And when I was one of the women in Denmark, when I was there, I was telling her about my dad's prostate coming back and, and it's fantastic because English as, as her second language, she said things in a way that um, I may not have been listening well enough had you said it to me because you just speak English so fluently. I don't always hear what you're saying, but I have to listen a little bit more when it's somebody's second language. She said the tough thing about riding this train of life is that we want to exit at the right stop. We don't want to exit too early. and We don't want to stay on the train too long. We want to make sure we're at our right stop because we just have one shot to get at the right stop. So I've just been sending up prayers that um, to be shown what the I, I don't know how to support somebody who's been a rock in my life my whole life. I don't know how to not be completely surprised and demand something different when that relationship changes. I, I don't know how to do I've never done that before. And what happens is it looks like you know exactly what you're doing. So I'm comparing what is going on within me to what I believe is happening in your life. 
and I'm coming up short and I don't understand why I'm coming up short. And the beauty is, even if I'm coming up short, it doesn't matter because this is about my experience with my creator and you don't get to live my life and I don't get to live your life. And I thought, you know what? We can just get this drinking thing a little a little better. And if maybe a sibling would let me come live with them, get my feet under me, and maybe if I could get a little bit of money, because that's what I really need is a little bit of money. And I heard you guys talk about how you were overpaid in every area of your life. And I'm like, well, then come up off some of it and help a sister. <laughs> What's the problem? And, and it always had to do with what was happening out here. You... I've had this job for 30 years. I've had this, this for this long, this for this. And it's really tough not to get into that, like, as far as, like, this is how I know that I'm sober and I'm on a spiritual path. The beginning of 2020, I had no job, staying at home. Um, husband was getting on my nerves because I was staying at home with him. He was staying at home with me. Um, and I thought, well, am I even really sober? I was ha- at what home group do I go to? I don't even know. Who's my sponsor? I don't know that either. And, and see, I'm not even really sober. And thank God some of you were like, you know what? What your life looks like out here has nothing to do with what is going on inside. What is happening inside? It might have something to do with it. It might not. But tell me what's going on within you. Tell me what your prayer life is like. Tell me how many alcoholics you are helping. Tell me what is going on and how you are being an example of God's ever-advancing creation. Because that, I mean, that's like, that's huge. And, and then what happens is I, I'm like, yeah, I'm an example of God's ever-advancing creation. Aren't you happy for me? I mean, look at how powerful I am. And it's, that's the tricky, is just to stay in that I am a conduit of our Creator. I don't know where I'm going because I don't know where God wants me to be. I have no idea. Like, of course I have a three and a five and a ten year plan, and I'm sure God's laughing. It's fantastic, though, because it keeps me busy. (laughs) So why not do it? Go do it. Enjoy yourself. Who cares? I'm very glad that you have shown me how to be. I really thought so much of this was about what do I do next and what do I do now and what do I do and what do I do? And you have told me over and over and over, what would God have you be? And I really believe any action taken out of love is the perfect action. And sometimes it is an inaction that just sitting still, that's really tough. I'm a mover and I'm a goer and I'm a doer. That's why I've had so many freaking jobs. One of the many reasons. That and you get on my nerves and i got to go. Um, there's, that list is long. Um, but I, and I'm glad for that. And I'm glad that you've shown me how to be a friend and you've shown me how to be a wife and a daughter and a great auntie. I'm like one of the best aunties. You can just ask Isabel. She will tell you that I'm fantastic. But she loves her Auntie Jen far more. Um, <laughs> I, I really, really thought that um, not drinking was, was, was the work. And for me, the work has been staying in connection with my creator and telling you what's happening, telling you my fears, telling you um, what I'm scared of next. And 
I, I really, I, I was telling a woman the, the other day, I don't know why some people get sober and stay sober. I don't know why I got sober at 20. I'd love to tell you it's because I got involved and I started, and I did. I did get involved. I did go through the steps. I did get a service position. I did get a home group. I still have that. I'm talking with the penitentiary about starting the AA meeting out there again and all of that. But I don't know why I'm so I didn't like you. I didn't want to be here with you. If you'd asked me if I was done and willing to do anything, I would have told you to shove it. Because I didn't want to be here. I wasn't happy about it. And you've not saved my life. You've given me a life. My life is recreated. It does not look like anything it does. I have some of the same like outside stuff, but it's entirely different because I answer to a different boss. When I got here, I certainly didn't answer to the same boss I do now. And I'm very glad for you. Thank you for letting me share.